0: The tumult and the shouting slightly died as Jubilee year came to an end, but on the frontiers the British Empire tremendously proceeded, especially in Africa, the last undeveloped continent, where the imperial dynamic was providing a whole new pantheon of heroes, saints, and martyrs. Two of them in particular were in the public mind, for far away on the upper Nile, General Sir Herbert Kitchener, the rising star of the British Army, was avenging the death of Charlie Gordon, the noblest man who ever lived. Since 1882, the British had been effectual rulers of Egypt, and had thus become concerned in the affairs of the Sudan, an Egyptian dependency of a million square miles immediately to the south. For years, the Sudan had been in a state of rebellion under a fiery Sufi mystic who called himself the Mahdi, the leader, and who formally announced the end of time, a conception particularly unwelcome to the British just then. In 1884, it had been decided to abandon the country, and to organise the withdrawal, the British government sent to Khartoum, the capital, General Charles Gordon, Royal Engineers, everyone's archetype of the Christian soldier, not a man, but a god. Trapped in Khartoum by his own death-wish, in January 1885 Gordon was killed by the Mahdists, and so capped his already legendary career with an imperial apotheosis. It had been one of the great romantic tragedies of the Victorian age. Ever since the British had dreamed of recovering the Sudan and avenging the memory of the martyr. The Mahdi died in 1885, but his successor, the Khalifa, held similarly apocalyptic views, and by the 1890s the reconquest was at hand. The obvious man to conduct it was Kitchener, whose hooded eye, huge figure, and commanding bearing were imperial factors in themselves. Kitchener was made Sirdar, commander in chief of the Egyptian army, which was in effect an imperial force, and for years he grimly planned the operation. A complicated man, sometimes hesitant, a bachelor of somewhat dilettantish tastes, he was made for the retributive role. His forte was organization, and with infinite care and thoroughness he prepared the campaign, designing his own gunboats for the passage up the Nile, and commissioning his own railway to take his armies out of Egypt towards Khartoum. It was slow, but it was inexorable. By the end of 1896, Kitchener had an army of twenty-five thousand men, eight thousand of them British, the rest Egyptian and Sudanese, deep in the Sudan. His method of campaign was barbarically deliberate and symbolic. The soldiers went into action crying, Remember Gordon! Gordon's nephew directed the shelling of the Mahdi's tomb at Omdurman, and Kitchener seriously thought of keeping the leader's skull as a souvenir. It all went like very slow clockwork. By Jubilee Day, Kitchener was preparing his advance upon Khartoum, and by the autumn of 1898 he had annihilated the Mahdist army in the Battle of Omdurman, killing at least 10,000 Sudanese for the loss of 28 Britons. Footnote But grumbling, for he was very economical, at the ammunition expended in shooting the wounded as they lay on the ground. End of footnote on the morning of Sunday, September 4th, 1898, he crossed the Nile into the ruined capital, where the shattered remains of Gordon's residency lay as a wreck of rubble and undergrowth beside the river. And there, in a famous Victorian moment, we shall join the conqueror ourselves. Beside that sacred ruin, on the Nile, the British sealed their victory with a requiem. Its altar was the residency itself. Upon whose surviving walls, their windows still barricaded with bricks and sandbags, the Union Jack was triumphantly hoisted, together with a very much smaller Egyptian flag. Moored at the bank were two of Kitchener's gunboats, swirled in steam, and beside them were assembled men from every regiment and corps in the campaign British guardsmen, Egyptians in white tarbouches, pipers in sun helmets and sporans, dismounted cavalrymen holding their pennanted lances. Footnote. They were from the Twenty-First Lancers, a regiment which had its baptism of fire at Omdaman after so long a history of peaceful soldiering that its regimental motto was said to be, Thou shalt not kill. End of footnote. Many celebrities of empire were in the congregation, some already famous, some tipped for fame to come. Colonel Reginald Wingate, Kitchener's brilliant intelligence chief— Colonel John Maxwell, the most promising younger officer of the Egyptian army. Young Douglas Haig, its most dashing cavalryman. Brigadier Andy Wachop of the Black Watch was there, the pride of Scotland.